Good morning. It's so good to see you this morning. I'm so thankful that we have the privilege of being able to be together today. It's just always an honor for us to be able to take a look at God's Word together. My name's Chad, if you don't know me, and Pastor Chris is actually out this week. He's just recently gotten back from a, a mission trip to Amsterdam, and this week he's with his family on a well-needed break. And so he'll be back in the office tomorrow, and I'm excited about that. And I'm excited about our fourth and fifth graders being here this morning. Can we say thank you to them for being in the room this morning? That is awesome. I'm always glad for you guys to be here. When I was about nine years old, ten years old, we had a moment in the church that I attended. It was First Baptist Church Moore where they challenged all of the nine and ten-year-olds to take notes during the sermons. And so that we did that over a four-week period. And at the end of it, I got a T-shirt. So I don't know if you're going to take notes or not this morning. I don't know if Miss Amber has plans to give you anything cool. But uh, you should probably say, Miss Amber, I deserve something cool if you're taking notes. You've got to be able to take notes. You've got to do that. And for all of us, note-taking is a really good idea. If you want to know where the notes are for today, you can either take them on paper with pen or you can open up the Bible app and just go uh, find First Baptist Owasso in the Bible app, and that's there every week. You can see that, and that'll be a great thing. Well, I'm just um, thankful for the privilege of being here today. Turn to John chapter 3 in your Bible with me. That's where we're going to be. And I don't know about you, but this is a strange time of year for me. Um, Let me just rephrase that. It's just been a strange year for me. Our family has been through a tremendous number of transitions in the course of this past year. And I know for a lot of us, we're gearing back up to get ready for uh, school to start. I know you don't want to hear that yet, but, uh, but we're getting ready for school to start. In the high school, the bands are already meeting, the football teams are already meeting, some of the athletic groups are already getting together for practices and conditioning and, and all of those things. And so we're just about to step out of summer mode and step into school mode or fall mode, and I'm ready for the fall weather to show up, that's for sure. Um, but in the middle of all of these transitions in my life, with my family, you've heard me talk about some of them, 72 days ago, just a short 72 days ago, my daughter became Mrs. Peyton Russell. And um, we debate, maybe he's Mr. Jaden Balthrop. We're not sure exactly how that works for their family, but but we know that 72 days ago, I became a father-in-law and she became a bride. And then Just a few weeks ago, my youngest son turned 14, and he's just almost taller than me, and that's not right. And so, guys, if you'll just wait a few minutes, you'll be taller than your dad, okay? And that'll be awesome. And so, uh, and then my middle son, he's turned 17, and on Tuesday, my oldest son, we move in at the University of Oklahoma. And so, our household is just filled with one transition after another, And sometimes, I know your life is like that too, maybe not with all of it packed in all in one year, but I know your life is probably like that too. You you have these transition moments in your life that come. It's actually why we're doing Welcome Weekend. There's a transition life for our parents of preschoolers, from preschool to kids ministry, and then from our fifth graders, from fifth grade into, into student ministry. These are just some big transition moments that take place in the lives of our families, and, and whether you notice them or not, at some point you look back, which is what I've been doing all year long. We've been making videos and looking at pictures and trying to figure out how do we celebrate this and a graduation and a college and oh, how, do you, how do you do all of that? And as I look back and as I celebrate and as I think about these things, 
there are these milestone moments in my family's lives. It's, they're milestone moments that we try to create in the life of our children's ministry, preschool ministry, student ministry, and as we, we try to create these milestone moments so that we would just stop and go, yes, we did have that conversation. Yes, I as an adult or as a parent, I, as a, my, I know my child knows these things because we've had these conversations. And then there are these moments where maybe we get past that, where maybe we're empty nesters now, or maybe, we're, maybe we don't have kids and we're in the career and, and all of those things, but there's milestone moments in your life too, um, whether you have kids or not, where this was that moment I made that move to that town, or this is that moment where I took that job, or this is that moment where I stepped into that relationship, or this is that moment when I stepped out of that relationship. There are all these milestone moments that take place in, in our lives, and I hope that as those milestone moments come and as they pass and as we remember and celebrate or remember, remember and lament, I hope that we'll notice that in those milestone moments, there's some really significant conversations that need to take place and that can take place. And sometimes they come from a place of tension and sometimes they come from a place of curiosity and sometimes, like with graduations and going off to college, they come whether you want it or not. <laughs> you know, they, it just happens sometimes. Some things just happen. And, and in John chapter 3, what we see, this is a really famous passage of Scripture that that I think we know to some degree, but what we see is we see a milestone moment in the life of a Jewish rabbi named Nicodemus. And what we're going to see is a conversation, and it's the kind of conversation that if I'm honest, I am praying that everyone in our church for the next year, I hope we have this conversation with our friends, with our families, with our coworkers, with our kids, with our grandparents. With, I hope we have this conversation over and over and over again in the life of our community. I'm actually praying that you would find conversations like this that Nicodemus had. I hope you, I'm praying that you find conversations like this simply unavoidable. Because there is no milestone moment in your life or the life of the people you care about most or in the lives of your friends or in the lives of your boss and their family or in the lives of your clients and their families. There is no conversation more important to have than the conversation that Nicodemus had with Jesus. And so I'm praying that we'll have this conversation as a church, as individuals, with our families, and all year long, over and over and over and over again, and that we'll be good at it, that this will be such a glorious thing to talk about, not just in the context of a Sunday school class or because a guy's preaching a sermon, but in the context of us following Christ well, I hope we have this conversation over and over again. So with that in mind, let's stand together and let's read John chapter 3. That's where we're going to be today. John chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. And you're going to see this conversation that Nicodemus has with Jesus. And it is a conversation I'm praying that, that we have over and over again. John chapter 3, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, 
Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the servant in the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil, for everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you so much. You may be seated for just a second. That'd be great. We'd be thankful for that. You know, this is a really important conversation in Scripture. And sometimes as we think about how do we share the faith, our faith with people, how do we talk about Jesus, um, I, I'm, maybe, I'm not really, maybe I'm not really a Jesus person yet. I've just attended church and I've come because of my friends or I've come because of my family. And I have some questions, but I don't even really know how to ask. I thought that I would really divide what we're talking about today into, into three sections. And the first two sections are really very practical, very applicable, and then the third section is the glorious truth of this Scripture. And so in this, these first two sections, I'm going to hit a lot of different points and a lot of different ideas, and those ideas are all about how do you have a conversation about who Jesus is? How do you have that conversation? Whether you're a seeker who's got questions or whether you're a follower of Christ who has answers. Maybe you're a follower of Christ and you're thinking, I don't have any answers. I'm not educated. I don't know. Well, if you look inside John chapter 3, what you see is you see just some habits that Jesus had and some practices that Nicodemus had in having these faith-based conversations, conversations that weren't simply about the moment they were in. They were about an everlasting moment that could come as a result of this conversation that means so much. I mean, how often do we have conversations that just don't mean anything? They happen all the time, right? We talk about the weather. It's hot. It's, I, I've never, it's amazing to me how good we are at dramatically overstating the blatantly obvious. 
How many conversations have you had this week with someone who, as you talked to them, you're outside, you're on your lawn, and suddenly they just burst into flames? I mean, it's really hot. And we talk for hours about it. And then later this year, it's going to be cold. It's going to be real cold. And we'll talk about that. How do we have conversations that matter? Shouldn't we have? Isn't it in our best interest? That doesn't mean we have to be serious all the time, but shouldn't we get really good at conversations that don't simply affect this moment, but affect all the moments for all of eternity after that? See, that's what I hope we see today. So here's some how-tos. This is a simple how-to. And, and so the first group of people that I'm talking to are those of you who have questions, those of you who are seekers. Maybe you haven't placed your faith in Christ yet, and that's why you're here. I'm glad you're here because this is a great place to get answers. It's a great place for you to explore your faith. But here's some things that, uh, here's some things, just as I go quickly through these, th- this list, here's just some things that as a seeker, I hope you'll do every time you hope to have a conversation like this. If you'll notice in verses 1 and 2, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Now, I don't really see an, an, an implicit question there. It's not really explicit that he's asking a question, but he's really there because he's asking questions. And he's come by night because he wants to have a private conversation. Uh, he wants to have an uninterrupted conversation that's not affected by all the noise of the world around him. And so if you're a seeker, here's the first thing. I hope you'll ask questions. I hope you ask great questions. I hope you'll seek out people who have a track record of knowledge backed by actions consistent with what they say they believe. You know, you're, you're just kind of one TikTok video away from finding somebody who's going to call themselves an expert or in, on anything. And I, I've always found it surprising that, that with Google or YouTube or with what we do on social media, what we see is what people want us to see. We don't see the ugly mess on the backside. We see the highlights real. We don't see all of the raw footage that falls on the floor that they cut out. And I've always been amazed that when it comes to spiritual truth, how quickly and easily we believe the reports of anonymous strangers over the people that we know and trust to be our friends. So seek out people that you know and trust who are your friends. Seek out people who have a proven track record for being an expert or at least being knowledgeable, informed, and active in practicing the faith they say they believe. If you're a seeker, ask questions, but don't just go anywhere to find answers because not anywhere has the right answers. Go to the people you know and trust who have a proven track record of faithfulness. That's the first thing. The second thing, verse 3, consider the possibility Verse 3, Jesus gives an answer that to Nicodemus just sounds crazy. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus, being an educated man, goes, I just don't think that's possible. And so, in the middle of your conversation, if you're a seeker, ask questions, but leave room for for the possibilities. Consider the possibilities. Be open to new ideas. And here's the thing I want you to hear me say loud and clear, especially if you're a seeker, especially as you step into classrooms, maybe in college, maybe at the sixth grade level where there are teachers or there are people who are challenging the way you think and the way you believe. I hope you'll be open to new ideas because when it comes to your faith, you don't have to check your brain at the door. Actually, Scripture teaches us that we should worship our Heavenly Father with our heart, soul, 
mind, and strength. Our worship of God should be emotional. It should impact our soul, but it also should impact our mind. There is a rationale and a reason why I believe being born again is true and real. And so if you're a seeker, consider the possibilities and be open to new ideas. You don't have to check your brain at the door, but make room for the unexpected answers or the possibilities you've not considered. Um, And then the next one, be patient with misunderstanding. Just be patient with misunderstanding. If you're a seeker, be patient with misunderstanding. Give yourself time to process and give the person you're talking with time to explain. Just because you didn't catch something the first time doesn't mean that it's not true. Did you catch that? Just because you didn't understand it the very first time you heard it doesn't mean that it's not true. Sometimes understanding takes time. Sometimes communication needs clarity. Make room for new ideas to take shape. You see Nicodemus say, how could this possibly be? How could a, how could a, man, how could a man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus, you're, you're talking crazy. How could that possibly be? And in the question, he opens up the possibility for Jesus to explain, to explain himself a little bit more deeply. And so if you're a seeker, ask questions. And, and consider the possibility and be patient with misunderstanding. Here's another thing that's really important in these kinds of conversations. Be hard to offend. Can, can you be hard to offend? I don't know if we realize this or not, but I think we live in the most offended and most offensive generation in the history of the world. How easy is it to offend someone? Today I'm sitting here with a coat on and I unbutton my coat whenever I sat down. Somebody might be offended that I unbutton my coat or that when I stand up, I don't always button my coat back because there's an old school thought that when you stand up, you should button your coat and when you sit down, you should unbutton your coat. That's just a really old school way of thinking and nothing inherently wrong with that. But man, if you're distracted by the shoes I wear or the, uh, or the way I button or unbutton my, my coat, I, I just think you're choosing to find a reason to just not not like me. And I got to tell you, I can just assure you of this. Uh, I just just be confident of this. If you're looking for a reason to not like me, you don't have to search too far. (laughs) This is really easy. Ask my wife. (laughs) Um, And here's what's true. Anytime as a seeker you have this conversation with someone who's a faithful follower of Christ, you can find a reason to be offended. You really can. But don't let the offense derail the conversation. Don't, uh, you're asking questions for, for a reason, so don't let disagreement derail the conversation. Surround yourself with smart people. I love this phrase. It's just a cliche proverb, but surround yourself with smart people. And then when you're done doing that, surround yourself with smart people who disagree with you. Nothing sharpens our mind in the way we think like being surrounded by smart people and then being surrounded by smart people who disagree with us. If they're smart, there's a reason they disagree with you. And maybe in the conversation, if you're hard to offend, you both can learn something. So be hard to offend. And then here's the last part of it. I'm going to come back to this one, but I'm going to say it now because as a seeker, you need to know this. Don't just be hard to offend and don't just consider the possibilities and keep an open mind, but you need to be born again. That's really what Jesus' message was. You need to be born again. Until you're in the family, there's just some things you're not going to understand. 
And you can see that inside your own family, right? Just think of those moments inside the family traditions that you have that when somebody, you tell somebody about it, you feel like you're a little crazy because this is what your family does. Our family, every Christmas, will end up at Bass Pro Shop at Christmas time because nothing says Christmas like fishing lures, <laughs> right? Um, but we go there because that's where Santa Claus shows up. And I don't care how old we are, we all want to sit on his lap and tell him what we want for Christmas. And it's just become this great family tradition. And we've got pictures of our kids when they were little bitty at Bass Pro Shop sitting on Santa's lap. And we've got pictures of our kids when they're really huge crushing Santa's lap at the Bass Pro Shop. And that just sounds silly and crazy to some other families. But if you're in my family, it's still silly and crazy. But it makes sense because you're in my family. You know what? If you're a seeker, if you hear nothing else today, I hope you have great conversations, but man, you need to be born again. It's as simple as that. You need to be born again. Now I'm going to come back to that in just a minute. Because there's another group of people here that I need to talk with, and it's the other side of the conversation. You've got the seekers who are trying to ask questions, and sometimes those of you who are followers of Christ, those of you who are believers, you don't recognize always when a seeker is asking a question because they don't always ask it in the form of a question. Notice what Nicodemus does. Verse 1, there was an, a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Where's the question? Where's, did Nicodemus actually ask a question in that moment? He didn't. He made a statement. He was, he was practicing. Uh, it's it's a, just a common c communication and conversational practice. He was saying kind things to Jesus. Here's what we think about you. We think you're a good teacher. We're not sure how you're a good teacher. You grew up as a carpenter. You're not educated like the rest of us, but somehow you know things and you can do things, and we recognize that. There's no question in it. And so, those of you who are believers, let me just pause here for a second before we get into the list of things about how you manage a conversation like this. I want you to recognize something. Think, think with me for just a minute. Uh, all of you can do this. Some of you had, well, I'd say all of you had a, a favorite teacher growing up. Can you think of a favorite school teacher that you had? Maybe it was in college, maybe it was in high school, maybe it was in junior high or middle school, or maybe it was uh, in elementary school. Think about your favorite teacher. Isn't it cool to have a favorite teacher? In the fifth grade, I had a teacher named Mrs. Hoggard, and she was, she was ancient when I was in the fifth grade. <laughs> um, but I can tell you, uh, I can say, am, is, are, was, were, be, being, been, has, have, had, do, does, did, shall, will, should, would, may, might, must, can, could. Those are all the verbs of being. I can do that because of Mrs. Hoggard. And she was, it was a little bit like having Mrs. Santa Claus as a teacher in the fifth grade. She was an incredible teacher. And for whatever reason, I can now tell you the verbs of being. That's been so useful <laughs> in my life as a pastor. Um, but do you have a favorite teacher? Think about this for just a moment. You have an opportunity if you're a teacher. Think about how you're going to spend the next 365 days from now until this time next year. You could write a story in your student's life that causes you to become their favorite teacher. You could do that. And, and think about this. Those of you guys who are in fourth and fifth grade, next year you're going to step into a school. Some of you, it'll be a brand new school. And think about this. You have an opportunity 
to write your story in the school that you attend in a way that causes people to go, I am so glad that they were in my class. Whether it's the teacher or whether it's other kids in the class, I'm so glad that, name the name, I'm so glad he was in my class. I'm so glad she was in my class. I'll never forget him. They may not be your best friend. They may not be your closest friend. But for whatever reason, because of, the, because of the way you present yourself, because of who you are, because of the things you say, because of the way you treat people, simply because of what God's done in your life, you get to write this amazing story over the course of the next 365 days. And for teachers, you could become someone's favorite. For students, you could become someone who makes a difference in their life. For those of you who are in the workplace, you could be the one who changes the culture and the environment of your office. You could do that. With the conversations you have, if you're simply paying attention, that sometimes people make statements Hey, Jesus, we think you're kind of cool, and we'd like to know more, but I'm not sure how to ask, so I'm not going to ask. I'm just going to compliment you. Jesus, you're, we know you're something special. Didn't ask a question. Pay attention to those moments that aren't just about the weather. Pay attention to those moments that aren't just about the job right in front of you and recognize when you've stepped into a moment that has an opportunity to influence eternity. Pay attention to those moments, and 365 days from now, you'll look back and go, how many of those moments have I had? And how many times have I seen God work wonders in the hearts of my family and my friends and the people I care about in this community? How, how has the culture in my office changed? How has my school been impacted and influenced because I didn't just do the next thing on my to-do list? I didn't just stumble through one more year, but I looked up and recognized there are times when God takes a seeking soul. This is what Walker Moore used to say. He takes a seeking soul, and he puts that seeking soul in the same room with a willing witness. And when that seeking soul and that willing witness come together, it becomes this divine encounter where God does miraculous things. And I'm so amazed. It's just so humbling that those miraculous, those divine moments happen between a seeking soul and a willing witness through a conversation that he gets, he involves me in. And he wants to involve you in. So that's why I'm saying, I'm praying that we have these kinds of conversations over and over and over again all year long. So, so if, you're a, if you're that willing witness, here's how, here's how to have that conversation. It begins like this. It begins by being faithful and available. Are you faithful and available? Because it was easy for Nicodemus to look at Jesus and go, Hey, Rabbi, I see something in you. What do people see in your life? Be faithful and available. Do the words you use and the actions you choose help people see Jesus clearly in you? Is that true? Or would they find out you attend church and be surprised? <laughs> More than that, would they find out that you're, you claim to be a Christ follower and be surprised? Be faithful and available. Be on the lookout for questions that aren't questions, but that are statements and opportunities to step into a moment that can influence and impact eternity. So first, as a believer, be faithful and available. Second, be uh, clearly, confidently, and caringly. Speak spiritual truth. Clearly, 
confidently and caringly. Speak spiritual truth. You're an ambassador. What people need less than anything is my opinion. Nobody needs my opinion. You don't need my opinion. The people around you, they don't need your opinion. You know what they say about opinions, right? I'm not going to go any further with that, but everybody's got an opinion. If you're Baptist, you've got three or four about the same topic, right? (laughs) Argue with yourself. Nobody needs your opinion or mine, but you know what they do need? They need scriptural truth that's been clearly, confidently, and caringly communicated to them. Isn't that exactly what Jesus did? It's right there in verse 3. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You're an ambassador. You're an ambassador, so point to the word of God. And here's the thing. When these conversations go a little bit deeper and you have the opportunity to open up the Bible and talk with someone about it, you don't have to necessarily quote chapter and verse and show them how Bible drill oriented you are. Hey, look, I can quote 17 scriptures by memory. You're not trying to impress them with your biblical knowledge. You're trying to have a legitimate conversation with them. So what would happen if you opened up the Bible and you read to them John 3.16? And maybe you do it on your phone. Maybe you've got a copy of God's Word, but you show them that. And instead of you telling them what you think it means as an ambassador, you put it in their hands, and you simply say, hey, read that one, uh, verse 16 in chapter 3, read that. Okay, in your own words, what do you think that's saying? And you let Scripture speak for itself, and instead of you trying to talk them into something, you allow the Word of God to do the powerful thing the Word of God does to transform a heart and a mind. And, it, and, and instead of me trying to convince you with my passion or with my argument, I just simply say, well, what does this say? What do you think this means? For God so loved the world that gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have it. I'm not asking if you believe it yet. I'm asking you if you, what do you think it means? And then you, it opens up the conversation just like Jesus did. Hey, you've, you've got to be born again. And then that's the next thing. Be patient with misunderstanding. Just like for the seekers, be patient with misunderstanding. Give them time to process the information. Make time for a deeper explanation. Sometimes understanding takes time, and sometimes communication needs clarity. Make room for new ideas to take shape. And here's the next thing. <laughs> it sounds similar. You're gonna, it's going to sound familiar. Be hard to offend. As a believer, your conversations will be better If you're just hard to offend, look at verses 9 through 13. Nicodemus answered and said, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, are you the teacher of Israel and you don't know these things? That's kind of a little gauntlet that Jesus has thrown down. Wait a minute, I thought you were a teacher. The way he said it, he wasn't saying, he may have said something that was offensive, but he wasn't saying it in an offensive way. He was just saying, I thought you knew things. I thought you knew this already. Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we've seen and You do not receive our witness. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? And and you just see there's just room there for Jesus to give a clearer explanation. There's just room there for, for Nicodemus and Jesus to come to an understanding together, be hard to offend. And here's the thing. They're asking questions for a reason, so don't let disagreement derail the conversation. And we ought to expect that people who don't share your beliefs, you should expect them to say things that don't reflect your beliefs. (gasps) I can't believe you said that out loud. You don't believe what I believe, and you're saying exactly what you believe, but I don't believe it, so, oh, the end of the world is at hand because you disagree with me. 
man, there's so much derailment that happens when we're offended because a lost person who doesn't think like you is a lost person who says things that indicate that they don't think like you. That's okay. They don't think like you. Guess what? When God transforms their heart, they're going to think more like you, but guess what? God's still in the process of transforming your heart. So there's going to come this moment where you begin to think not like them, and they're not thinking like you. You both begin to think like Jesus more. So be hard to offend. To offend. And then here's the last, last idea as a, as a believer in a conversation with a, a seeker. Make much of Jesus. In your conversation, make much of Jesus. Don't forget what you're inviting people to. You're not inviting people to a cause or a movement. You're not inviting them to a political party. You're not inviting them to a government or an economic system. You're not even inviting them to a friend group. They might become your friends. They might be your friends already. But you're not even inviting them to a friend group. You're inviting them to be born again. We're not asking them to share our interests or be involved in our activities. We're introducing people to who Jesus is. And don't forget that. The goal isn't to win their vote. The goal is to win their heart. And the winning of their heart involves you as a believer. And what an incredible privilege it is that God would involve you in that conversation. What an amazing privilege that is. But it's God who does the work. Because you know what it means to be born again? I see all the time, it shows up, uh, it seems like all the ads think I'm old now and I need to have that vitamin that will make me feel younger and I need that exercise program that will make me look more beautiful. And it, it, I just see these things in my ads all the time, that if you just do this, you'll feel better, you'll lose weight, you'll look great. You can, if you just follow my program, you'll make more money. It'll just show up in your mailbox. And, and you know what you need is, instead of U.1, 1.0, you need, instead of U1.0, what you really need is U2.0, right? You just need, you just need to be, a, you need a better life now. You just need to build a better you, right? And here's how you can do that. But you know what the problem for me with U2.0 is? And it's true for you too. U2.0 is always built on all the faulty operating system of U1.0, right? I don't need a U2.0. Scripture says I need to be born again. And that's what you need too. That's what the people in your life need also. And here's the thing. That's a difficult concept to catch. Wait a minute. Even Nicodemus, a teacher of the law, went, how can a man be born again? What does that even look like? Well, here's the thing. I'm guessing, I'm guessing that you were there when you were born. I think you were probably there when you were born. But I don't believe that you had anything to do with your delivery. I don't think you did. I think a doctor was involved in that. I think your mom was involved in that. Your dad might have been there. You were present when you were born, but you didn't have anything to do with your delivery. You need someone to deliver you today. You need to be delivered from your sin. 
And you know what happens? You know, I could pull myself up by my bootstraps. I could turn over a new leaf. But when I turn over a new leaf, I just find old dirt. And when I try to upgrade from U1.0 to U2.0, all I do is I just keep building on that faulty operating system that was from the beginning. But when Jesus Christ enters your life, when you place your faith in Christ, the Bible says that He transforms your life and He makes it brand new. He delivers you from the effects of your sin and delivers to you this righteousness, this peace, this joy in the Holy Spirit that can only come from God. And while it may be difficult to understand, once you're born, there's nothing you can understand but who Jesus is and what that's all about because now you're a part of the family. You've been freed from your sin and now you can live and walk in the righteousness that God has for you because of what Jesus did for you. And John 3.16 really is the key. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so today, to be born again, God does something in your life. And just like the song says, we simply surrender to the one who's delivered you. So let me ask you to bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment. And here's, here's how I hope you'll pray today. As Joe sings, if you're a follower of Christ, I hope and pray that during this invitation time, you will ask God to give you the opportunity to have conversations just like this all year long. God, help me to see people. Help me to see people for who they are. Help me to see people for what you're doing in their lives. Help me to see these moments for the eternal moments they are and not the temporary moments that I make them into. Help me to see people and see these moments and help me to have these conversations. And, and God, would you move in the hearts of my friends so that they would be born again? That's what I hope you'll pray during this invitation. And if you're not a believer yet, if you have yet to be born again, then I just want to ask you, won't you place your faith in Christ and trust in Him? God will do something in you and through you that can't be explained because of you, and it starts with your salvation. And so today, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to say amen. When I say amen, we'll all stand to continue to pray and to worship together. And there will be people all over this room. Those people, you guys could move right now if you wanted to. People who are willing to pray with you and willing to talk to you about what it means to trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. They're willing to tell you stories about who He is and what it means to give your life to Christ. They're willing to introduce you to the one who will deliver you as you are born again. And so, don't miss it. When we stand after we pray, come to one of these people and say, hey, I'd like to know more about what it means to be born again. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the fact that you have done a miraculous work in our lives. For those of us who are followers of you, you have caused us to be born again. It's a transformation that takes away the old and replaces it with the new. You have delivered us from our sin, and you've placed in us your righteousness, and I pray that we would walk in that. For those of us who are believers, help us to follow you and have incredible conversations all year long that lead to seeing friends and family and people in our community place their faith in you. And for those who are seekers today, I pray that you would draw them to yourself, that you would cause them to be born again today.
So, Father, we love you and praise you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.